Good morning. <laughs> My name is Jacob Dolezal. I am a deacon and I run kids ministry and this is Mr. Dylan Adams. And we will be giving the message for you this morning. But first off, let's acknowledge like, so no Nate and Sarah, no Mike and Paula, no Barney and Tina. All we have is crazy, fun Uncle Mark. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I didn't think that was enough supervision, so I asked my sister to come, because if I would have asked my dad, it would have been the same as Mark. So, so normally on a, uh, on a Thursday night for youth group, we do an activity where we will do Bible trivia. And so I have three questions that I'm going to ask this morning right now. Now, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, so you can just shout out the answers if you know them. Dylan's keeping score. I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep score. <laughs> All right. This first one is an easy one. We're going to start out easy, medium, hard. Three questions. First, who was Jesus's mom? Mary, yes. All right. Second question. Who wrote the most books in the Bible? Paul. I guess that was an easy one, too. Oh. You guys are killing it. All right, last one. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? I should have said no Stephens aloud. I know. I know that they knew every single one. Well, good job in trivia. Next time we're doing way harder questions. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree. So... For starters, I wanted to share my heart behind why I took the position as the youth leader here at Pierce Point Community Church. Um, as you said, my name is Dylan. Um, I've actually been serving in the youth ministry for a little while now. Um, it all started, um, I was serving at the Christian Help Center down in Batavia, where I, um, I also am a youth minister down there, um, where I help children that are being raised by, you know, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles. Um, really bad home situations. So I've been doing that for two years, and then I, I had my somehow my Thursday nights ended up being free, which is like unheard of for my life because it's just constantly go go go. But I heard that they needed some help on Thursday nights when Amanda was running things, and they just needed another leader. And I was like, Well, Lord, your word says that if I can provide a need, that I should do it. So I, I stepped in and just I was happy to be called a servant. Um, I helped teach, I helped lead, and. Um, as I started to help, I got to know the kids better and, and really wanted to help lead them in the way that we're, that we're called to help. Um, a few things about me. Um, many people would look at somebody in my position and say, oh, he's super passionate about kids. Yes, but it's more than that. I am a people person. I love people. I love God's people. And unfortunately, kids are very much the group of people that are overlooked the most. Um, we spend a lot of time, and, you know, this is what we're going to do for the, the church as a whole, but when it comes to youth ministries, whether it's Kids Point or Compass Point, that's what we're actually called, by the way, Compass Point Youth, um, it's not always focused on that much. So I'm drawn to that because they've got enough people to help lead the adults, but the kids are the ones that really need the, the, the assistance because they're our future. And I'm passionate to help raise them up in the way that they're supposed to go. Our goal in the youth ministry is to help the kids get the faith of their own. You know, growing up, you kind of, 
you cling to the faith of your parents or your pastor or your friends. But we, that's why we're called Compass Point, because we're trying to lead them and point them to the direction of Jesus where they can have faith of their own. They can stand confident and say, I am, I am justified by the faith that I have in Jesus, not by the faith that my mom has or my dad has, but the faith that I have. And we, I, I do not have enough words to express how grateful I am that you trust all of us to, to minister to your kids and to serve your kids. It is a blessing, and we are super excited to be up here. It's interesting. The reason we're up here is actually uh, because of the youth. Um, when I took the position as the youth leader, one of the things that I was struggling with was it's a, it's a no-brainer. We know where we want to get the kids. The end goal is the same for all of us. Sanctification, faith in Jesus, all of these things. But we're like, okay. So there's the finish line, but where are they at? Because I didn't know. I was, I'd been serving, but to know as a whole where the youth group's at, it would take a little more work. So uh, I met with some of the elders, got some different things together, and I put together a survey. It's a pretty big survey. Um, I may or may not have bought some cookie cake to entice the kids to take the survey. Um, <laughs> because I know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a huge fan of surveys, but this one was very important. So 15, 15 kids took this survey, which is almost our entire youth group. So pretty good number for the data that we collected. And we're going to be going over some of that today and some of the results that we, that we gathered. And Jacob's actually going to go through the first few points of the survey. Yeah. So it was a 25 yes, unsure, no survey. And then they had 10 open-ended questions where we wanted to get more details from them. Uh, we're going to go over just four of those four of those yes, no, maybe questions. So the first one that I have for you is, I enjoy serving those around me. And we had 13 kids that said yes, one that said unsure, and one that said no. And like that is a very positive number because right now you think of the generation of kids, it's all about me. It's all, when do I get what I want? And we felt like these kids, like, they want to serve. They want to serve their neighbor. Yeah, it, it actually brings me a lot of hope as, as a youth leader to see that we have a group of kids that not only understand that they should serve, but they have a desire to do so. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how often we have kids coming up to us to go, hey, can we serve in Kids Point? Can we do this? Can we do this? Today, we're actually going to have the kids serving and helping out with communion. So, like, that's, how, that's the heart of the children that we, that we have the pleasure of, mm -hmm. of ministering to they want to serve, and that is kudos to the parents and kudos to this church because that's not a normal thing. Yeah. So our next one is, I feel like my church appreciates teens. We had 10 yeses, five unsures, and zero no's. And that zero no is the one that I really want to focus on because none of the kids feel like they are not appreciated. They may not understand what that appreciation looks like, but... That's applause for you guys that you are making our teens feel appreciated here. Right, and it, it, it is. You're right. It's, it's such a huge deal for us as youth leaders to say our teens know that this church appreciates them. So seriously, keep up the good work. We look at the five that said unsure. I guarantee you that if we keep supporting the teens and the kids' point ministries and all of that the way that we are, the next time we do the survey, I guarantee you it's all yeses. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, next one I got is I take time for personal reading time at least three times a week. We had three yeses, 
three unsures, and nine no's. That was, uh, that was a little alarming. Yeah, that one was, um, it was our descent into concern. Um, we began and looked at that and said, okay, that's a, it's not a good number. Um, unfortunately, I think that's normal life for many people, not only kids, but adults as well, where we don't make enough time to really get into the word. And this is just a question regarding three times a week. I didn't get my hopes too, too far up. I didn't ask four or five times a week. Right. This is just three times a week. But that one's concerning, but then we move on to the next one. Yeah, the last one is I read the Bible with my parents. We had eight yeses and seven noes. So, so 50%. So, yeah, so we're looking at almost 50% of our youth group that do not read the Bible with their parents. Now, we are busy. It is hard, but that was very concerning. And we actually share these, all of these results, a whole survey, with the elders of the church. We went over this, and that's why we're standing here. Um, we were kind of forced into uh, presenting and, and, and speaking and, and things, but this survey will guide us into the things that we have to talk about today. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and go to the scripture and start there. Uh, it's going to be at Proverbs 22.6, a verse that we have all heard from Nathan's mouth many a times. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we all know the scripture. I, I know that Nathan said it. I, I know that we're familiar with it. We know that it's something that's asked of us. I think at some, uh, at some point we don't quite understand what's required of us. I think there's a difference. It's one thing to know. It's a whole other thing to understand the requirement. Because I can know that I'm supposed to train something in a certain way. But if I don't understand what is required of me, then I'm going to fall short on that. So our goal is to talk about what is required of us mm -hmm. as believers, not only to disciple our kids, but to disciple those around us as well. Yeah. Some of it, like myself, like I don't have any kids. You have one on the way. Uh, November and 20th. Like... <laughs> yeah. No sooner. No sooner, Please. Naomi. <laughs> uh, but like this is also about discipleship. We want to raise disciples that will not depart from the truth. Right. And it's also, if we want to talk about disciples, we all, we're all familiar with the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's the same way with our, with our kids. We have to make disciples not only of the people that we minister to outside of our houses, but we have to first create disciples in our own homes. Mm -hmm. With that, we're going to go on to our next verse, which is Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Now Psalm 119, if you do not remember, we spent all last summer going through it backwards. We all had to teach messages on it. So that makes it very memorable. David is displaying here that young people are much more susceptible to succumb to sin. I mean, all of us can say when we were young that we made stupid decisions, right? Yes. And if you are not, if you're not agreeing, then we have another conversation to have. <laughs> but the point is, like, how will young people know the correct choice to make if they don't know where to get the information of what to do it with? Right. And how will anybody know? I mean, even as an adult, if, I, yeah. if I'm not clear on the instructions on where I'm supposed to be going... 
Look, ask my friends. I, I am directionally challenged when it comes to trying to get to places. Um, if I do not have a GPS telling me where I should go and how to get there, I'm <laughs> he's raising his hand. Yeah, that's my if, father. If I, don't, if I don't have a GPS to know where to go and how to get there, I'm going to get lost. I, I remember starting a job at, at a telemarketing place, and I was in Milford. I should be pretty familiar with Milford. My GPS dies. I took two wrong exits. It took me an hour to get home. <laughs> I lived in Amelia. <laughs> it should not have taken an hour to get home. But it's important to realize that whether it's somebody that you're discipling or it's one of your children, they will not succeed if we do not point them in the right direction. Mm. And you have to ask yourself, well, how do we do that? What is the tool that we use to point one another in the right direction? That's a great great question, Dylan, because it goes right into our next verse, which is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. What better tool to raise our children and believers than with the word of God? Its uses are endless. It can be used for all these things when raising not just a child, but discipling. And the best part is you don't need to go do a background check on the author. It's the author of life, the sovereign creator. So let's look back at the last verse briefly. So David asked the question in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping close to your word, which is inspired by God, good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's not just training in general. It's training towards the goal of righteousness. Right. And let, let's recap here. So we start out reminding ourselves that we're called to train up our children or just people in general on the way they should, on the way they should go. So we start out there. So when he is old, they will not depart from it. Then we go into the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? So we start off by saying, hey, remember, we're supposed to be training one another up in the way that we should go. And then we say, okay, let's look at Psalm 119, and it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping according to your word with all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Okay, how do we know his commandments? And then we go to the next scripture. We're taking on a, on a path here, so just follow along with us. It's a scripture. I, I hear, I've never actually heard him say it myself, but I hear that Nathan says this a lot. The Bible tells us that we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. I'm almost like 99.5% sure that if I looked at the Greek for the word everything, it would mean everything. I'm just saying. So we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. A huge part of that is God's word. Mm -hmm. What does the scripture say about his word? All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This is why it, con it, it concerned the leaders and us as well when we see that we've only got, what, I have three out of 15 that read their Bible three times a week, and we've got almost 50% that do not read the Bible with their parents. We, if this is true, and it is, if you're wondering, the Bible is true, if it's true that it is good, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, we should be using this tool to train up not only our children, but those around us. We are called to be good stewards of this word. And that looks like studying it so we can keep our way pure. Mm -hmm. So we don't stumble away from his commandments. 
And I know you see a bunch of guys, you see two young guys up here going, what are they, what are they tell, tell, talking to us about this? Because this is important. This is a big deal. And Nathan's talked about it before, and we, and we want to just reiterate, like, it's important that we understand what's required of us so we can go the way that we're called to go. And it's interesting, when we're talking about God's word, I've got a few questions for you. Just bear with me. It's going to sound weird, but it's got a point. How many of you eat, let's say, three times a day? Okay. How many of you eat, let's say, two times a day? Okay. How many of you eat at least one time a day? Okay. That's good. Let me ask you, Jacob. What happens if somebody only eats once a week? They'll starve. Yeah. They're going to be pretty unhealthy. They may even, they may even die. It's, it's, a big, it's a big deal. You need the nutrients. Let me ask you this, and please do not raise your hands. I, I, this is a question that you answer in your own heart. How many of us read our Bibles three times a week? Don't raise your hands. How many of you read it two times a week? How many of you read it one day a week? Here's the issue. If physical food is important, that's a no-brainer. You know what's even more, more important than physical food? Spiritual food. The Bible says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If that's the case, I need his word to survive even more than I need the bread. I cannot live by the bread alone. Now, here's the problem that we run into. Many of us, we, we make sure that we feed ourselves physically at least once a day. Most of us about three times a day. Maybe more, depending on if you like to snack. Who knows? But we are intentional about our physical well-being, but sometimes we put this idea of our spiritual well-being on the background because if you decide to only partake in the bread of life, in God's word, once a week, just like you'd be unhealthy if you only ate once a week, you're going to be an unhealthy Christian. We wonder why, as believers, we struggle with things like anxiety, and depression, and identity issues, and, and, and evil thoughts, and all these things. It's because we are not partaking in the word of truth, God's word. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is we need to make sure that we have things in the right order. Most of us are probably thinking, where am I going to go to lunch after this? I am. <laughs> but that just shows you where our thinking lies. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about here isn't just about, like, I'm expecting you to read the, the whole book of Mark every single day for every a day. month. It's, it's about the retention. Rather you read a verse a day and retain it than read a whole chapter and forget everything that you just read. Right. And honestly, on, on that point, that's a great point. Um, how many of you are familiar with the scripture in James? And don't ask me what chapter and verse because I don't know. Uh, but it says... Don't only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I would much rather us as a body look at one scripture and say, such as Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ. I would rather us take a scripture like that and say, you know what? I'm going to seek the Lord in prayer that my life reflects what that's called me to. And we walk that out. 
You, I'd rather you do that than you say, I'm going to study 15 chapters of Matthew and I'm not going to get anything from it. Because that's what a lot of us do. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about how does it change your life? Because it is a transforming work. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. I, I challenge you to read it and, and actually walk it out and see if it doesn't change your life. Yeah. It does. It has to. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to go to our next verse. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Now, you may recognize this from earlier because this was the call to worship. Thank you, Mark. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. So it's interesting. Jake and I met to discuss, you know, how are we going to do this? What are we going to talk about? And he brought up this scripture in Psalm 127. And my brain works a little different than most people's. Um, I instantly was like, oh, it's strange that we're comparing children to arrows. Like, it's an interesting representation. But then I, I thought about it more. And I thought about the time period this, this would have been written. And I'm like, you know, right now, if I was a warrior that needed some arrows, I'd go down to the Walmart and be like, I need some of your best arrows. I like how your warrior from ancient times is hillbilly accent. That's the only accent I got. <laughs> Work with me here. So I, we could go down to Walmart right now, buy some arrows, some arrowheads, and we'd be, we'd be in business. That is not the case here. If they needed arrows, it had to be an intentional thing. Mm-hmm. They either had to find the tools to make them themselves, or they had to go to somebody that would make them for them. It had to be an intentional act. And it'd be something they were like, okay, I can't just sit on my couch and be like, yes, I got some arrows. Like, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. They have to seek it out or they have to be intentional about making these things. And it wasn't like you just didn't open your back door and go, there's some supplies. It's like, no, you've got to write, you've got to find find the right wood, the right material to make the arrowhead. You've got to be intentional about this act of creating an arrow. In the same way, we must be intentional about the act of raising up children, raising up disciples. Again, we're talking about both in, in this. It's not just about children. It's about discipling those around us as well. It's an intentional act. It is not something that happens lackadaisical. You know, we don't sit back and say, it'll happen, or ah, the, the, the Lord will take care of it. Mm-hmm. We are what he's doing to take care of it. So it's an intentional act. Yeah, and like, this isn't just about the arrows, the children. Like Dylan was talking about, like, this requires the one doing the teaching and the sculpting to step up their game. The teacher has to strive to have better answers to the questions that the student may have. And uh, if we look back at the verse, it says, how blessed, it's children are a gift. This is something that you pour this time into. It's rewarding. You, You see these children choose the right path. You see them fly straight. And it's a reward for you and the work that you've put into it. And honestly, I want to go back to the first scripture about training up the, the way they should go because I just, I just thought of something. So a big part of that scripture is train them up in the way they should go so when they're, when they're old, they will not depart. Watch. So I've been blessed to disciple quite a few people, and I've also watched quite a few people walk away from the Lord. Um, those are not easy things to deal with. But the challenge is that we do our part whether it's with our kids, whether it's the people that the Lord's having us disciple, we do our part. So if they choose to walk away, it's nothing that we have done. 
we do what we can to bring the Lord glory in the midst of this discipling, in the midst of this raising them up. So when they choose to make a decision of their own, when they decide to pick up their own faith, God gets all the glory, and we've, we've done what we're called to. Mm-hmm. I can't say that in the past that I've been able to walk away and say, you know what, they left the faith, but I did everything I could. That's, that's not the truth. I, I haven't been able to say that with every person that I've had the pleasure of discipling, but I know now that we're called to train these, these people up in a way they should go. And I know what you guys are probably thinking. A bunch of young guys up here, no kids. What are they doing telling me about my parenting? This could be a... The, just bear with us. This could be very upsetting to some. It is a heavy, a heavy topic. But, as Romans 5, 8, verse 1 says, Therefore there is, no, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8, verse 1. Let me explain to you what that means, because this could be some rather convicting stuff, and some of you may even feel like you're being condemned, and that is not the case. Our goal is for you to walk away hopeful and courage. So that's why I want to talk about this Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation for those of us that are under Christ Jesus. I'm pretty sure all of us are under Christ Jesus in here. So instead of condemnation, what the Lord can do with the things that you're feeling right now is he can teach us, and he can grow us in what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And like, if we have not mentioned it enough, the reason that we're up here, the reason that we're doing what we do is because we love your kids. Absolutely. We want them to come to know Jesus, and we want them to succeed. But we love you guys just as much, and we want you to succeed. Depending on how they're acting, maybe more. I, I mean, I don't want you to feel condemned or called out. Uh, I want you to feel convicted if you feel if that's coming to you, but like we're here to help. We're not here to put you down. Like the past seven weeks, including last week when we talked about worship, Nathan's been talking about women in ministry, and we spent quite a bit of that time discussing how the leaders of the church were fathers and mothers that were a family. And so let's continue with this way of thinking. We all have responsibility. And guiding not only our youth, our children, but young Christians here. Some of you, your children have already come, they've grown, they've left the house, and you now get grandkids to spoil. But there are plenty opportunities here with young parents, young Christians, that you can come and invest in. And this is where discipleship comes into the picture, Dylan. Right. And I've mentioned discipleship throughout this, uh, this sermon um, and the importance of it, but I have a a joke. It's kind of a joke. It's kind of the way that I think. Um, I don't have a kid yet. She's coming. Her name's Naomi. She's coming in November. Um, But I I look at discipleship, and I look at what Scripture says about discipleship, and I look at Jesus, how he discipled his his 12 disciples, and I'm like, those seemed like a group of kids. Like, they they seemed a little, little ridiculous. But we all can be a little ridiculous sometimes. But I have this little joke that says, you know, the only difference between dis- discipling somebody that you minister to in Walmart and discipling your children is you don't typically have to change the guy in Walmart's diaper. So, Typically. Typically. <laughs> you never know. It is Walmart. So, But it's important to realize that we are called to make disciples of all nations. But it starts in our homes. It starts with healthy habits as Christians. You know, as I said before, we make sure that we eat enough to stay alive. 
we eat and we make sure that we provide physically for our needs. We have to be even more, more genuine about that when it comes to spiritual things. So here's my challenge. This is a lot. This is heavy. We love you. This church is literally, the, the leaders in this church, we're here to help. I know that some, some parents may feel like they're not worthy enough to teach their kids in this way. Maybe they don't, they, they don't think they know enough. Maybe they don't have all the answers. Guess what? I don't either. I'm standing here. I don't have all the answers. Neither does he. <laughs> don't. But it's okay. It's okay not to have all the answers. We are a family. We are a body, and we stand by one another. If you don't have all the answers, it's okay to be humble. You know how many times I've had one of my youth kids ask me something, and I go, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. Because I would rather say that than try to pull something out and go, this is probably it. Like, that, doesn't work, that doesn't work very well. So here's my challenge. I know, as a believer, that it's hard to, just on your own, to read the Bible. It's hard to spend that time with the Lord in his word. So here's my challenge for everybody here. If you struggle just on your own to commune with God in his word, to spend that time in prayer, to devote time aside, I, I get it, life's busy. My, my life's hectic is all get out. But if you struggle in that, today's the day to change that. Today's the day to start anew. God's grace is sufficient, and we can start fresh. We can say, you know what? Maybe I'm not doing what I'm called to do right now, but I'm going to start today. And I promise you that if we take the time and we lay down ourselves, we lay down our self-will, and we pick up God's word, and we, and we really commune with the Lord and his word, that it will overflow into our families, it will overflow in our jobs, and it will overflow in our communities, and we'll see a changed world because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen. Amen. All right, so before we go, I know you guys are disappointed. It's not even 11 yet, and we're getting ready to say that we're getting ready to go. There was one more survey question that we wanted to talk about, and that was, I know and understand the gospel. We had seven yeses, five unsures, and three no's. Now, at first glance, those numbers are very positive. You got a majority that say that they know and understand the gospel. But as I said earlier, we did 25 yes, unsure, no, and then 10 open-ended questions. And for one of those questions, we asked, what is the gospel? And so that gave us a, very, a much clearer picture as to what this 753 number actually is. So, Isaac, will you switch to the other one? We had one, one person that could answer what is the gospel and 14 no's. There were partial, there were pieces together, but this was quite alarming. And so we got to discussing when we were going over the answers of this survey. So for the next four weeks here and in youth group, we're going to be going through what is the gospel. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. Yeah, it's it's going to be really good, and it's important I think to realize that if you ask some of these kids how they were saved and things like that, they could probably answer that question. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the phrase gospel and 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 to define that, it wasn't something that could be done across the board, and that's concerning for youth leaders. So we're being proactive, and we're saying, you know what, we're going to do what we're called to do, and we're going to teach these kids because. At the end of the day, we, as youth leaders, we want to build upon the foundation that's already been put, put down by you. And I know that this probably sounds like all of you suck, and that's not what we're saying. 
There are so, so many of you that are doing an amazing job that we have the pleasure of building upon foundations that are solid with these kids. But there's only so much we can do on a Thursday. And we want to make sure that we're all working together as that family because you guys want to raise your kids up in the way of the Lord, and we want to help you. We want to be a part of that, but we have to work together. And again, we are beyond grateful that you allow us to do it and that you allow us to speak to you in, in such a way where it may not always be joyful, but we're grateful to be here and grateful to serve you guys in, in the name of the Lord. You pray us out. Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for this body, for this family that you've given us, that we can, we can hear you. We know when you've called us to something higher. And Lord, I just pray that you give us all a new desire to seek you out in your word and to commune with you in prayer and in your, in, in your word, that, it, that we come to know you on a deeper level. We ask that you bless this body and you, you give us all the hunger to glorify you in everything that we do. Keep everybody safe on their travels for the rest of the week and just allow you to be at the forefront of our mind in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.